Hello and welcome to the Week 1 Football Outsiders Recap. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're watching. Uh, I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. And joining me as he will every Monday is Mike Tanier, Senior Analyst for Football Outsiders as well. Mike, how did Week 1 treat you so far? I know we still got one game left, but pretty much all the games are in the books. You know, I was happy because I got a reasonable night's sleep last night because that game was a snoozer at the end. And it's like, all right, I got five hours of sleep. I'm ready for my live stream and my, everything else I have to do. And then, oh, I missed the Dak Prescott injury at the end. <laughs> kind of a big news story there, but it's a heck of a thing to wake up to. Yeah, same. Like this is that didn't see the the whole game last night either. It's first year that I haven't been, you know, with on the edge sports side typically on my couch, glued to the TV, watching every single play of every game. Uh, so missed a little bit, and that was one of them. But yeah, definitely the biggest news I think that and TJ Watt, which we'll we'll get to some of those years ago. But there were some huge performances this weekend, especially fantasy. You know, so some guys had some uh, performances that are making their teams and some are breaking them. Either way, some of you may already be tired of your season-long fantasy football leagues. If you are, try out Underdog Fantasy. It's the fastest-growing company in fantasy sports. Use promo code OUTSIDERS to double your deposit up to $100. You can play in best ball tournaments. Those are could play in best ball tournaments preseason, uh, but win up to $10 million in total prizes at $2 million to first place in those best ball tournaments if you're there. For a fantasy team, you don't have to manage those in season. They also have some pick'ems that are basically like creating a parlay from games. You can go between games and choose uh, different props, basically. And there's some big payouts on those as well. So that is is available for Underdog Sports, and that's promo code Outsiders for a free deposit match up to $100 at UnderdogFantasy.com or on your favorite app store. Now jumping into, we mentioned the big lead. Is the Mike McCarthy era already over in Dallas? You know, they're, 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 that Dak Prescott injury doesn't help his case, kind of gives him an excuse. But I think there have been a lot of excuses made for him already over the last, what, two years he's been there? It seems like he's been there for an eternity. Yeah, that's right. And that's exactly what I first thought when I, you know, I discovered the, the severity of the injury. It's like, this could be the McCarthy get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, we all know Sean Payton. Yeah. Sean Payton's like looking over his shoulder. Jerry's been looking at making goo goo eyes at Sean Payton. Uh, but he, but like, oh, the quarterback was hurt. What could I do? I think that could work for a lot of head coaches, you know, in a lot of different circumstances. But you're absolutely right. This would be the second time in three years playing that card. And there's also the reality of what that team looked like going into the fourth quarter. Like the Cowboys looked absolutely lost for the yeah. entirety of that game. And that might be a theme as we talk about week one. It's like this team looked lost and that team looked lost and that looked like a complete failure. And we know we're not supposed to jump to conclusions. But the Cowboys just coming out and tripping over the gate where nobody except Micah Parsons even looks like they know what they're doing. Yeah. After three years, this is this is and now Prescott being gone, this is sort of a DEFCON one situation for Mike McCarthy. Yeah, we know that this is everyone's favorite week. It's overreaction week, you know, coming out. Um, one game, you know, it's a long season. Some of the teams, like even the Bills, looked great on Thursday night. They may not make the Super Bowl. Things are going to happen. They've got a very good shot, too. They're obviously the favorites. But the Cowboys, I mean, it's been a couple years now. You know, the Dak Prescott was hurt. They didn't do well. Uh, came back last year, make it to the playoffs, and then lose to the 49ers in that game that um, really don't want to say they had no business losing, but they really had no no business losing. The 49ers were hot, but the Cowboys just are not able to get it done. And, you know, McCarthy took that time off from Green Bay. Being a Packers fan, I know it got pretty bad there towards the end. Rodgers wasn't playing great either, but I think a part of that we know had to do with just that offensive environment. It wasn't great. Um, and now, you know, it's just kind of – it looks like he hasn't really improved from his time back – before and last year the big thing was penalties and and now we're back to injuries and he's out what well, I think they said could be up to eight weeks now um and it's just really not looking good for them and um you know and then who knows how he'll play when they come back you know he's kind of Prescott's always been up and down you know I've people right. if it speaking of fantasy draft and had him a couple times like he's hit or miss you know they had some good games in last year the Broncos game they just get absolutely blown out and really don't even look like they, they were ready to play so it's it's been tough, and I think he's one of those guys that's probably one of the more polarizing, not only quarterbacks, but but athletes in the in the league where you've got people that think he can be a franchise quarterback and others that just think he's trash, honestly. And and, and there's he's got Teflon among his supporters. And among his detractors, nothing he ever does is right. And you're right. Like Prescott's elite, except for the three to five games where he's not. 
And when those games happen, we discover there's an injury we didn't hear about or something that's bothering him. And I was waiting for three quarters to hear about the cleats. Like, you know what the problem is? It was the cleats. It was the bad sneakers and the pina colada, my friends. That's the reason why Prescott's playing poorly. Now, so it's got to be the shoes money. Like, I was waiting for that to come along. But it's not necessarily that. And yeah, I'll say this. Um, A lot that's wrong with the Cowboys. Like, you start with the Amari Cooper trade. They trade Amari. They don't get market value for him because Jerry Jones pulls the trigger before seeing that the market value is like way too early, (laughs) way too early. First round picks, you know, they go out and they draft Tyler Smith. Then Tyron Smith gets injured, but they don't know how to replace Tyron Smith, even though they just drafted Tyler Smith. This is, this is like, you know, too much tequila on, on, on Friday night. You can't make these decisions. Nothing will change as long as Jerry and Steven Jones are part of the decision-making process. This goes from Jerry to Steven, or really it's Steven to Steven, to uh with jerry you know in the corner stomping his feet and then it goes to mccarthy that can change if sean payton comes in if sean payton would come in with bill parcells level authority he he demanded obviously so yeah i'll I'll sit in the booth rather than than like go to this circus situation and that's the thing that could get meaningful change so it's not just that you're like replacing mccarthy with a better coach you have the potential to put in a real system the way they had when parcells was running things yeah so it just a lot going on uh, in Dallas. Um, was it you that had the Dallas chapter, that wrote the Dallas chapter this year? It was not. Tom Bassinger, I believe. Okay, it was. But my favorite line there is like, you know, Dallas, they're almost content to just be content. Like year-round, they're going to be a story. They're going to make their money. They're going to sell sell what they need to sell. Um, not saying that they don't try to put together a team that's going to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, that's what they want to do. But at the same time, they're always going to be talked about, whether they're having a good year, a bad year, an average year. Like, they're always going to be at the forefront of the conversation. I know people get tired of it. Um, so I guess we could probably come off of that now and, and talk about some other teams, uh, unless there's anything else you want to add to, to that before we move on from, the, I guess, our biggest story, though. Right. Uh, Aaron just pointed out Rivers wrote the Dallas chapter. Yes. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't be a live stream here if we didn't risk disrespect rivers for some reason river and he did a hell of a job and what you said and what he said was absolutely right and we do have a question here from mike kurtz that <laughs> did Tua have a good game yesterday the box score looks great but mike keeps saying he's trash and i'm guessing that means me i keep saying he's trash i don't know did you did you catch that game at all i didn't see a ton of it um i did see it was actually going to cover the Jalen model touchdown on fourth down um i know tyreek yes. had you know i think 10 9 10 touches 100 yards like Overall, it seemed like, you know, they again, I was more seeing the box score and just kind of seeing highlights here and there. Um, but, I mean, I've, I've expected to, uh, to have, you know, a really good year this year. I know one thing I've kind of been looking forward to seeing, um, another thing from the Almanac, so Tua had the best deep ball rate last year. It was the best at deep balls, like a 50% uh, rate, I think. But there wasn't a, a high sample size. Right. So it was one of those questions right. to be answered is, is he actually a good deep ball thrower or was it just – he was a, pro- a product of a small sample size, and over the long haul, he's not going to be as good. But it seemed like he, you know, he did what what needed to be done yesterday. From the little bit that I saw, they got the win. You know, scored twenty points. I think one of them was a defensive touchdown, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I mean uh, decent enough. I don't know if he's he's great, but <laughs> yeah, De- decent. Like I, there were several plays. Now, first of all, the offensive line was a disaster. And the Patriots, whatever I want to say about the Patriots and their offense, you know, which is a joke at this point, but <laughs> they get after the quarterback and they were just, just, just running to it all over creation. Um, so to it like that, that's part of the problem. Still very shaky getting rid of the ball. And there were at least two, and I swear there were three times where two is going to the ground, like in the arms of the uh, defender. And he chucks, I got my left hand out. He chucks the ball like straight down into the dirt here. And he gets away with – I don't think they call grounding on it, although several of them look like grounding. Just like Bryce Young on Saturday for Alabama. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. That's exactly what that reminds me of. That was – I was like in what's happening mode for that. Like, you know, uh, change the channel. You know, it's it's college football. There's always something else on. Yeah. But not only does he get away with not getting called for grounding on these, but, of course, you know, you're flapping your arms around when you're going to the ground. That's a strip sack waiting to happen. So – there were a couple of plays like that. There was a deep throw to Tua where Tua just basically had to stop and, you know, crack his knuckles mm-hmm. and then, like, just out jump one of the defensive backs. So it wasn't a disaster or anything else like that. But there's people on the internet being Tua non members. 
and giving giving the pro tour agenda out there. Yeah. And if Tyreek Hill wasn't doing all the Tyreek Hill stuff, that would have been like a, a, a nine to seven game. Yeah. And speaking of intentional grounding calls, we had the Jameis Winston uh, clock <laughs> mess up where he spiked the ball when the clock wasn't running because Jarvis Landry was was out of bounds. Right. Um, although I know he, he, they said he, you know, they thought he was down and touched in bounds, but still, that's that's pretty funny. And I think it was, um, uh, I know Aaron uh, was looking on Twitter for asking like, has this happened before? Like not being a rhetorical question, like need to know if we count that. I think it was Mitchell Schwartz that said they had one against uh, Cleveland back in like 2018. I know, I think Aaron said it didn't get included in DVOA, but so it's not often you see them, a quarterback spike the ball when the clock's not even running. So just a little bit of a mix up there. uh, Speaking of that (laughs) intentional ground. Jameis is still young. He's still learning. It's only what his ninth (laughs) season in the NFL. He's still developing into that quarterback. Luckily you're playing the Falcons and it's the fourth quarter. So you can make mistakes. And now it's like a matching deposit. The Falcons will make a mistake alongside you. Yeah. Another big collapse. I saw there was a, uh, a bakery down in new Orleans making 26 to 10 cakes. Uh, just like the scoreboard, like from the Super Bowl, uh, after New Orleans had that made that comeback to win. So, uh, just another another thing for New Orleans to have against against Atlanta in that rivalry. Another thing for the yeah. world to have against Atlanta. Yeah, another big story from the weekend was struggling kickers. Uh, Cincinnati Pittsburgh was the biggest one. Tons of missed kicks reminded me of last year's Cincinnati and the Green Bay game. The, the, in that game, at least, there was a lot of wind with McPherson and Crosby going back and forth, and it was finally a kick to win it in overtime. Yeah. But that one misses, uh, blocked extra point that boy, we never even would have really had this this discussion. Uh, but Minka Fitzpatrick coming through to get the block on the extra point. Right. Indianapolis, Rodrigo Blankenship missed yeah. one that would have won the game. And then Tennessee, uh, shockingly, losing and missing a, uh, a field goal there. So it seems like every year you know, we have one of these weeks where guys – miss extra points, but there were a lot of missed field goals late in games that were basically, you know, game would have been game winners uh, given opportunities, but just kind of a crazy day when it comes to that. It was. And of course, I think the the Cincinnati Pittsburgh game was the main one where like, and I'm in a Philadelphia sports bar and people are just howling and laughing and clapping at the, at the chaos. One conditions were a little wet there, right? In Cincy, I know, I think a little bit. I know it rained. I'm in Louisville, and it rained a little bit throughout the day. And I think they had some. I don't think it rained throughout the game, uh, okay. but the, this area did see some. Did see a good amount of rain. It looked like the Bengals were having trouble with the snap and hold mm-hmm. too. And McPherson. And that's was, that's yeah. another thing on the. I think it was an overtime, or it, it was either at the end of regulation, or no, it would have been overtime, where they went out. They sent the field goal unit out on third down mm-hmm. to kick the field in case you get a bad snap. It was right. a high snap struggled to get it down at that point i'm thinking you know you've just got to fall on it you straight down you didn't kick it you get another chance um on fourth down but um i they just they had some shows a new long snapper too i think they had an injury to their other one or they have a new one for this year something like that right right so that that was a problem on that end and you know aaron is here he's listening to us right now and like everything we learned in uh at Football Outsiders over the decades about kickers is like when you see a kicker having this incredible hot streak, you don't overreact to it. Kickers are streaky, unless you're Justin Tucker, or you, <laughs> suck, your way, right, or you suck your way out of the league after, you know, early. There are going to be these ups and downs. Now, Evan McPherson had a lot of ups in that playoff run. Mm-hmm. Like the, he's a young kicker who was absolute money down the stretch. And, you know, you don't want to say he's due. That's, you know, the gambler's paradox, but there are going to be ups and downs. And that was an example of an up and down there. As for those other kickers, I tell you, Tennessee, don't be in a position where you need a game-winning field goal against the Giants. Yeah. Don't be in that position. You've got just standard kicker X and Randy Bullock. You put yourself in this position because you don't have any wide receivers anymore, and you are letting yeah. Saquon Barkley go hog against you, and so you're there. Similar thing for the Colts, and I think we'll talk about that a little bit. Don't be in overtime against the Texans, okay? Yeah. It's a good – they have a good kicker. I think he made some kicks earlier in that game. Don't be in that – situation because then you have that random element coming in yeah they made a good comeback they were down was it 20 to 7 i think um and and came back to win or to tie the game and get to overtime but then tennessee i know i saw i think on that drive where they're setting up the field goal they didn't hand the ball to derrick henry once like they got close they got within 50 it was still a long field goal but i think they did like a Tannehill kind of just keeper and then um i forget what they even did on the other play but like i saw a couple of make points like Give it to Henry. Get yourself five more yards, which we've seen 
the difference five yards and a field goal when you're in the upper 40s or even in the 40 40 yard range even below is right. a big difference when it comes to your probability of making that kick uh, I believe it. And that they were, I think they had one timeout left in that final drive, a minute and a half left. And it was a torturous drive. It was a penalty drive. It was, oh, incomplete pass, five yards defensive holding, incomplete pass, five yards for this. That's how they matriculated down the field. So I don't know where you could have fit a Henry run in there. Like you, you'd have to have the most cleverly designed plays where you get right up to the line uh, with it. But again, this is now this is a problem that's going to be sort of endemic to what the Titans are doing is that. Their only way to win is by working Henry like a punch press yeah. over and over and over again. And Henry did look pretty good. He's not washed as washed as I might pretend he is when I'm, you know, doing my routine here. But when that's all you got, wait and see what week four, week five, week week twelve look like. Yeah, yeah and it was it, it kind of surprising to see Henry got thrown through the air on one of his runs. I forget who it was for the Giants, but one of those things that has been all over the highlights today, going through the hole and just getting hit. Yeah, from, from the side. And that's not something you see often um, with there. Usually Derrick Henry is delivering those blows. Um, but yeah, it was they'll, Henry, like you said, wait till we get with the, them to get into week four, week five. Like it's a bad loss. But at the same time, the Giants, you know, they both coming in. They could be a lot better than I know we're not projecting them very well, but they could end up being a little bit better than, than what teams are expecting. It's one of those things you said week one. You never know. You never, you never know. really know. You never know. There was some non-repeatable stuff going on in that Giants game where, and it's like, okay, Saquon breaks loose, Saquon breaks loose. Yeah. And that's great. And then uh, Shepard got deep and like, they were not, it was not sequential offense. So they had a couple big plays. So we'll see, by the way, Todd Singer pointing out, and I didn't realize this, that they were having a problem with the kickoff specialist, Indianapolis Colts. It's kind of thing that even when you're watching 12 games, the kickoffs kind of get wobbly yeah. there. But that's a good hint. Hey, uh, Todd Singer, I don't know if you saw any fullbacks for the Chargers scoring touchdowns yesterday, but I'll just I'll just leave that out there for yeah. our, our favorite Purdue uh, fan here. I think there was a what a deep tight end scoring for the uh, for the uh, the Chargers as well. Hor- Horvath, I don't even know his first name. That's a, that's uh, a fullback from Purdue. That was a fullback. I thought I saw he was like one of their their deep tight ends. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was. They're still struggling in short yards. That was a good play. They failed a two-point conversion after that. They got into a third and short. It, it was like every nightmare of the Chargers from last year when especially football outsiders were like, you know, fourth down conversion, that's the way to go. Brandon Staley's yep. going to be our hero on this. Third and one, let's give it to a little Echolor. He gets stuffed. Fourth and goal, fourth and one, let's let's have Herbert try and do the yep. sneak. And like the entire Raiders defense has collapsed on the got sneak. Got stuffed play. on that one too. Yeah, you, your your team is awesome. You have to put Khalil Mack in in a short yardage situation. Put him put him in and let let him run it. Like try something. Yeah, like you said, Brandon Staley. You know, sticking with we like to see that though. Sticking with that fourth down aggressiveness. Um, we'll see if he sticks with it uh, when he's on his own twenty or something this year. After we gotta imagine them to stay aggressive, but uh, yeah, still got the win. Um, good game, and I think the Raiders. Uh, were down big early and came back and made that a game. Uh, but, you know, they, they just – the Chargers, I think, are going to be very tough. I know there are favorites, I think, um, slightly uh, over the Chiefs to win that division. But the Chiefs, man, Patrick Mahomes, we were just talking about that before we started, Mahomes having a game where some people are, are putting him down in the bottom of the top ten of quarterback performances this week. But it looked like the best quarterback in the league yesterday. Yeah, some people are going to say a lot of things. That was a heck of a performance uh, up there with what Josh Allen did. Josh Allen threw a couple picks, but overall it was like a stellar performance there. And that's Thursday night. Thursday night is Chargers Chiefs. So we had what looked like a great Thursday night on paper last week. And it was like, okay, the Bills kind of slowly ran away with it. We've got another one this week. And I'll be able to watch all of this one. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think it was last week or last year also in week two that Chargers and Chiefs play. That's the one where Staley was aggressive on fourth down, went for it. Mm-hmm. They converted it was like a fourth and yes. fourth and medium, fourth and long. Um, and then, you know, they played two great games last year. So those getting to be one of the, the most anticipated games each year. I think we get to see it twice. Yeah, it should be a Roman numeral game. It should be Mahomes, <laughs> Herbert, whatever it is, a one, two, three, four, five now, or maybe it's four because there was a Tyrod game in there or something. Yeah, just keep them going. But <laughs> well, that takes us into talking about uh, we've got new new faces and new places. Week one, always seeing some debuts, guys with new teams 
Going to start off with the most impressive debut with a new team. You mentioned this guy once already, I think, your pick. Uh, I've seen, obviously, he's been all over the place yesterday and today with the game that he had. Who's your pick? Uh, Who'd you pick as the most impressive debut with a new team? It would be Khalil Mack of the Los Angeles Chargers. He had three sacks, kind of a takeover game. Also, one of those run stuffs. They had a big run stuff. I think it was on third and short. And Mac and I forget who the other defender is, were the guys who slammed in on Brandon Jacobs. Run stuffs for the Chargers are a big thing. They could not stop the run at all last year. So exciting to watch, exciting what they were doing with him. Joey Bosa had more single singled up opportunities, so he had a big game. They're doing things like putting Mac and Derwin James on the same side of the formation and having them both wow. rush from the same side of the formation. Well, good luck with that. They got an early sack, and, and the announcers were like, well, the left tackle there kind of whiffed. Yeah, he whiffed. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, you know, like you can only block one of them. So I uh, say It'd probably be more surprising if he didn't didn't whiff in that situation. Right, right. But so you mentioned what, the, the – yeah. oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so that's an example of a guy that you bring in and it's everything you hope for in week one to mm-hmm. solve the problem he was born on the solve. Yeah, and you mentioned their run defense struggle last year. Uh, I know they made some moves. They didn't do as much as we would have liked them to do to solve that that run stop. They've spent some money and allocated a lot of resources to the pass defense. And this one, J.C. Jackson, I think I don't even think he played um, in this one. And they still, you know, looked looked really good. And like I said, if you're able to to stop the pass, you know, as they get throughout the year, maybe the run won't matter as much. But looked good. Yes, like you said, they stepped them quite a bit and just came away with the win. Uh, the Raiders, we mentioned, did make it a game a little bit later. But uh, Khalil Mack, yeah, definitely. As long as he can stay healthy. You know, that was seemed to be his biggest problem in Chicago was injuries. When he was on the field, you know he's going to produce. Uh, right. But staying healthy is is going to be the key there. Right. Now, who'd you pick? Mine, yeah, I actually, uh, for both of the, he's kind of went the cheating route, went with two guys. They're both receivers. Uh, Devontae Adams, that same game. Yes. 10, 10 catches, 141 yards, a touchdown. He actually had more yards than Green Bay's wide receivers had combined. Um, that's, I guess, kind of a product of Devonta Adams being very good and Aaron Rodgers hating all his receivers, especially after Christian Watson drops that wide open touchdown. Very frustrating to me to see. Um, but yeah, Devonta Adams, there was a lot of questions. Uh, you know, with all the the weapons in that offense, like you know, he was gonna gonna get his, and he's gonna be a focal point. Him and Derek Carr. Real good buddies almost died together whitewater rafting uh, years ago. But he went out, just had a phenomenal game. And then A.J. Brown as well. We kind of – more questions, I think, there surrounding just how much Philly's going to pass and how successful Jalen Hurts can be throwing the ball. He ran the ball a ton, I think 17 carries for 90 mm-hmm. yards. Sort of touchdown. But A.J. Brown had 10 catches for 155 yards, 13 targets. Didn't score. But, I mean, that's still a great game. And I think 128 of them were at halftime. Didn't have as much after the fact. but. They were up so big uh, in the second half there for a while. But A.J. Brown and Devontae Adams. And I'm actually going to throw a third one in there. Zadarius Smith seemed like he was all over the place against Green Bay and came in saying that's why he went to Minnesota to play Green Bay twice a year and and got Rodgers one time. And you could see them kind of looking, joking around, having mm-hmm. some fun because he got hit maybe a little bit late um, or a little bit of a, an extra extra force on one of those hits. But Zadarius Smith had a, had a really good game uh, with Minnesota. So moving on to the flip side now, the least impressive debut with their new team. This I don't think this will really surprise anyone that you pick here. Um, really just <laughs> like didn't do enough. Uh, but I'll let you reveal who was the least impressive in their debut with a new team. Yeah, Matt Ryan uh, in the 2020 tie of the Texans. And, uh, you know, Watch the game in real time. And, you know, on the one hand, I get some of the other problems that are going on with the Indianapolis Colts offense. I did miss the kickoff issue. But I saw them getting into the red zone and Ryan looking into the uh, into the end zone and not having the ideal targets out there and trying to fire balls to guys like Alec Pierce. And there was a young, another young man whose name I forget who is not Pittman that dropped a catchable ball. There were some some balls that were just in there that I wouldn't call them drops, but like he had to force the ball to a receiver who's yeah. not going to make a play for him. They went with Naheem Himes on like a wildcat play in the, in the goal line. So there were times they came away with from what should have been touchdown with zero points, three points. And that was one of the reasons it contributes to 2020 tie. So I saw that and I saw all the, the strip sacks and all the, uh, the, the the interception, the screen pass interception, it looked very Wentzian and a couple other turnover-like plays along the way. But 
The problem with Ryan right now is that it's supposed to be the veteran quarterback experience, the super professional leadership guy experience. You know, you're not necessarily getting Tom Brady, but you're going to get that thing where, first of all, you beat your bad team, mm-hmm. your crappy division opponent who can only put up 20 points. That's supposed to be your win. And secondly, fourth quarter, minute and a half left. We just talked about it. Ryan Tannehill, minute and a half left. The, the, yeah. the, the Titans get in the field goal range. Frank Reich was like handing off. Frank Reich was like, eh, we only got to about the 30-yard line. Uh, there was still, I think there was still a timeout on the table. Let's just go to overtime. If that's what you're doing with Matt Ryan, then you're saying Matt Ryan is not the, that guy. And if Matt Ryan is not that guy, what are you doing if you're the Colts? So if that's what the Colts are, are doing, we're going to tie the average teams with this guy, and we're going to do the Wentzy stuff, then caveat emptor. That was, that was a bad decision to bring him in. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, late in the game and, uh, you know, kind of playing maybe for a tie or uh, Lovey Smith is getting kind of uh, taking a lot of heat right now. They had, I forgot what exactly it was, but bring it up here. Fourth and three at the Indy 49 with 20 seconds left in overtime. Mm-hmm. Choosing to punt instead of go for it. <laughs> oh, playing for the tie. That's, we saw Frank Reich, I think it was, against Houston in overtime a few years ago do the exact opposite. And he went for it like on his own like 40 in Houston, I think ended up winning on a field goal. But when you're a team like Houston, you're not expected to be good. We expect them to be a little bit better than they were last year. Um, But you don't, you don't play for the the tie. When you're Houston, a tie is not going to help you in the long run this year. Most of the time it doesn't anyway, but sometimes it can help you later in the season, but you're Houston. You got to play for the win there. Like you're at midfield. I get it. You're Houston and you know, it's the Colts, but 20 seconds left. uh, You're not leaving them really a ton of time to Indianapolis used a timeout and still uh, had one left, it looks like. But that's just a, a tough decision there on that side as well. Yeah, the, the Texans are a 1980s NHL team. Let's play for the tie. Tie on the road, get the point and all that other things along the way. But that was it. Like, they spent the, – the, the Texans took a 20-point 20 or 20-3 to lead. And then it was the pure lovey experience where we're not going to force the ball anywhere downfield. We're going to play a lot of cover two, tamper two, the lovey two system. And that's why the the final Colts drive, it was a lot of handoffs to Jonathan Taylor. It's like, oh, you're going to play that soft. Then we're going to Quentin Nelson with his $60 million contract in his back pocket and Taylor behind. We're going to steamroll, get 12, 15 yards at a time. And that's great. It works. It's also sort of, undermining the concept of, hey, we brought in Matt Ryan, so we're a fundamentally different team. Like, no, you're a team that when seeing zone coverage, like, oh, let's let's run the ball and let's see if that works. Um, hey, we got a we got a fantasy question. I'm gonna throw it at you. From Rendon Die. Would you trade Javante Williams for the Broncos for Debo? Oh, that those are always tough not seeing yeah, that team who they've yep. got, who the other team, you know, knowing the league and stuff. But and Debo, I don't think is going to repeat what he did last year. Uh, I think he had what, based on where he got his touches, he scored like eight more touchdowns than he would have expected to. But I mean, he's going to be a focal point of that offense. Javante, I'm not, I don't really know what to think of Javante Williams. All the talk they're going to go with the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a split. Melvin Gordon is still good. He was actually higher in DVOA and DYR last year, I believe. Um, if I remember, those are stats for you guys listening. Uh, most of you are probably familiar with us, but you can get those at footballoutsiders.com. Our FL Plus subscription you can get as well that gives you access to more advanced stats, fantasy rankings, uh, betting picks every week, as well as some premium articles. Uh, so that's available, again, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. But, yeah, Javante, it's, it's really hard to know how they're going to use him, if he's going to get enough work. Debo, we know, can be a top 10 receiver um in, in fantasy he can score from anywhere on the field i personally wouldn't again i just it depends on what the what your team looks like um if you need some help so it, it, i guess we'll have to not really sure on that one yeah we, we got to see it tonight and I'm, I'm leaning towards it sounds good we had eight carries for debo yesterday not many catches but it was a slop fest of a game yeah. so maybe be different and they love Melvin Gordon. See, the problem with Melvin Gordon is that coaches love him and find reasons to put him out there. So, and Rendon put the team out there. He put his team in the in the chat. All I have to say, Rendon is um, look for a waiver to get rid of Allen Robinson. That's my advice. <laughs> get rid of get out. Get rid of Allen Robinson. Sell now. Get rid of him. Yeah, it's actually I, I see it there. So he's got. It looks like a lot of receivers 
Um, some good receiver, a couple good running backs too. It looks like looking more at just a flex guy. I think. I mean, it, it, at that point, you really can't go wrong with either one. Almost when you're looking, he's got Jalen Hurts, Austin Eckler, and Alvin Kamara. So that's awesome. AJ right. Brown, DJ Moore, um, Elijah Moore, who struggled. It looks like the whole Jets team struggled yesterday. But if I had to make a pick, I would probably um, – I think Debo's got just more upside. Like you said, they like Melvin Gordon. I think you know Debo's going to – they're going to manufacture touches for him and get right. him the ball as much as they can, I think. Right. Right. So now we'll move to my – I guess I hadn't given my pick yet. The least yeah. impressive debut with the new team. Again, I'm going two guys. I'm going receivers. I, I was looking at just all the receivers uh, this week. Devontae Parker really – Surprised me what he did or didn't do. Really thought they're going to use him just a big body guy. Been in the league for a while, a guy that Mac Jones can trust and go to. But only had two targets, one catch for nine yards. Um, didn't really do a whole lot. Again, I didn't see much of that game, but right. I mean, I would expect him. Their big signing, or like they, they traded for him, didn't they? I actually forget, but I hope they didn't trade much for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know who was not. Uh, surprised by uh, Devontae Parker disappearing when the season began. Every Dolphins fan watching nope. that game because they he he is he's he's the summer soldier. You know he is the, he is the the prince of minicamp, and he went out there in that game. I don't I want to hold it against him because the Patriots yeah. don't really have an offense anymore. They just have a random series of plays. Um, but yeah, he was disappointing. Yeah, he had the one one really good fantasy year. I think that he kind of came on strong at the end That's a few years ago. But I you know kind of hurts. For me, it not really hurts for me to see it, but Devontae Parker is from from here in Louisville. He was just, I think, a year a year younger than me, um, or a year younger than I am. So it, it, going to Louisville, I'm not a Louisville fan, but those local guys you want to see do well. I really was expecting a lot more from him. Um, again, a long season. I think he could end up being one of the go-to guys for Mac Jones. But, yeah, tough opener or tough debut. And then Robert Woods as well. I know he's coming off the ACL. They said he was, you know, a full go, good to go. But, again, he only got two targets, one catch for 13 yards. Um, I think, you know, Tannehill threw the ball in the 30s, I think, yeah. 30 times, uh, more than 30 times. Would mm-hmm. expect Robert Woods. Again, they traded for Robert Woods, brought him right. in to be their number one receiver, and he gets two targets in a game um, against the Giants. Like, against you the Giants. Him to get him a lot more targets in that first game. So it's uh, – both of those were, were pretty uh, unimpressive debuts with those new teams. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. But we, you know, we focus. You mentioned it. We're big on the fourth down stuff, aggressiveness. Yes. There were some good calls. There weren't a ton of them yesterday. We'll see more as we get throughout the season. Um, but I know there were a couple that you liked. Um, one mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily a, a fourth down, but the Giants. Just speaking of the Giants, had a, yeah. a big call late. So I don't know if you want to kind of go through the two that stood out to you, or the one or two that stood out to you most. Uh, well, the, I, my best call from what I saw. And I consider two-point conversions kind of like fourth-down conversions, mm-hmm. right? Because it's a it's Absolutely. a do-or-die do situation, especially when it's 20 to 19 in the fourth quarter, and you're saying, screw this, we're going to go for the win. And not only – I'm certain it's the best percentage. I don't have the numbers in front of me. It's a better percentage play. But when you are the Giants and you're Brian Dayball and you're trying to, like, install a system here and try to get guys on board for you, and you turn to them and say, we're going we're gonna to go for it, and we're going to get the ball to Saquon, and we're going to do or die with it. If it fails, you know, the, a lot of those guys walk out, hey, we, we, we gave it our best – we actually gave it our best shot. We didn't trust it to the kicker in overtime. And if it succeeds, you get the enthusiasm that you're seeing from the Giants right now. So the uh, the Giants went for it late in the game after scoring a touchdown, went for two-point conversion, 20-19. They threw a shovel pass to Saquon Barkley that may have been the worst shovel pass non-Carson Wentz division that I have ever seen – it was about to be completely blown up. There were three defenders around Saquon, and Saquon took his Nittany Lions pills and got away from all of them and, and leapt into the into – the, uh, Made a great play, Saquon. Made a – yes, a personal one-man-against-the-world type play there. Yeah. And it was very – and it was really good. And that won the game. Again, we saw the Titans couldn't come back at the end of that. But that defined that game. And thank heavens. It's one thing for to have two games going to overtime. It's another thing to have a Titans Giants game going to overtime. <laughs> yeah, and we know. Yeah, I, I beat up on Joe Judge a lot the last couple of years uh, for his lack of aggressiveness and for good reason. But I can't imagine Joe Judge going for that. He'd probably run a QB sneak there or something, and <laughs> hopefully they can get into the end zone. Yeah, Dayball, you you know coming in to instill that that winning culture, that tough culture, um, yeah. and and get it, you know. 
believe in your team, have your team believe in you. Like that's when you're a new coach in there. And he's got a lot of respect already, but I'm sure that that helped even more in that locker room. Right. And you're right in as a opposition to judge who would have been like, let's make the most perfect extra point we've ever made in history <laughs> and forget all the other things. Now, Aaron Schatz is telling us in the chat that going for two was not the better percentage play for the Giants. Because it left the, the Titans at that point had too much time to come back for the field goal attempt along the way. Mm. I'm guessing if we really looked at the success rate of Giants plays, that's also a bit of a problem. Yeah. One thing for the NFL to have a, a percentage rate and then the Giants have a lower percentage yeah. rate. But as Aaron said, yeah, getting the winning attitude and, and getting the guys to trust you. It's not analytics, but it's sort of like a logic thing for a team that has to start on this long journey. Yeah, and like Aaron said, definitely the right decision, getting that you know that winning attitude. And that's kind of what we've talked about in the past. It, a lot of those decisions, you know, people want the numbers on them, and a lot of times there's only a percent or two, you know, difference. They're really close. It's yeah. more. And Aaron has mentioned this a couple times. I know even last year, it's more of just a gut feeling. Like it comes down to last year with John Harbaugh, he didn't have the defense at that point in that game against Green Bay to keep up. He's like, even if the numbers say, you know, with Justin Tucker, the extra points better um, because if we get to overtime, I like my chances only needing to get to the 45-yard line to, to make right. a long field goal. But just that gut decision of kind of what you want to believe and and that the environment there. I, I like to say one percentage point of probability is not worth getting stuffed in a locker over. Yep. Five Absolutely. percentage points, 10 percentage points, you have to go eat three percentage points. One or two percentage points, at some point you have to look at it and say, these are humans, not economics models. And say, I might lose the team. I might demonstrate a lack of trust, whatever then it's time for human decision-making to come yeah. into play because our, our tools are not that accurate. They're not one, you know, calibrated to a tenth of a decimal point right. like others apparently claim to be. <laughs> yeah, and I, mine comes from a guy, actually one of them, a coach, Zach Taylor, who's mm -hmm. we've seen be aggressive. He's kind of hit or miss, but he was more aggressive than not, it seemed, last year. Um, they had fourth and one coming down into the first half at the Pittsburgh 35. They're down 17-3, so they're down big. Could have just gone with a 53-ish yard field goal. You know, send out McPherson. Hey, let's just let's get some points before the half. But they went for it, got it. They went on to get a field goal anyway, but it was a 26-yarder compared to 53. So he right. knew, you know, one yard, they have this revamped offensive line that wasn't doing great. But still, it's one yard, and he knew, hey, we can, we can get this yard. Give us a chance to get a touchdown. Um, but they converted that. And then Miami, I mentioned this earlier, the fourth and seven coming down at the end of the first half. Already up 10 to nothing. Could have yeah. just taken a field. It would have been a long field goal, or they could have punted 18 seconds left. New England just used their last out and say, hey, they're going to kneel out the clock. Let's just go in the, the locker room up 10-0. Right. They went for it. That's where Tua hit Jalen Waddle over the yeah. middle, and Waddle took it the rest of the way for a touchdown. So that was really awesome to see. That was. And that was a fun play, and that was a stunning play. Again, these sort of – as we're all kind of like ripping on the Patriots a little bit, it's one thing to talk about their offensive woes. That was like – an almost inconceivable defensive lapse here, where it's, yeah. it's pretty much a routine slant. It's pretty much a routine slant, and he just goes directly to the house, and there's no there's no answer to that. Yeah, and that's something you would expect to see from Tyreek Hill, who's now on the team. So yeah. you got two guys that can do that. Like they could could be dangerous with those guys uh, that that can can make plays like that. But yeah, yeah, in New England too. You know they've you know had the good defense, but they're not projected very high this year. Um, both of those, I mean, it was two defenses that are projecting like the bottom seven, I think, uh, mm. that we had, um, if I remember that correctly. So kind of a little surprising, but yeah, Miami's defense had a much better game than the Patriots did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, the, the Patriots, uh, and I talked about this in walkthrough, we've, we've talked about Patricia and et cetera. They don't have mm. any speed. They have no big play capability on that offense. So when everything's going going right, it's going to have to be matriculate, 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 yep. matriculate down the field, which then introduces the margin of error that you don't have Josh McDaniels creating these sort of customized, well-installed game plans. You have the, you know, the JJ and silent Matt experience out there. And, and it's going to, it's going to be a long season, I think for the Patriots. Yeah. It's the Miami, Miami would be my pick there to, I think we'll get to these teams as well. It'll be my pick to come in. To come in second, because we all know outside of Buffalo, they're just all playing for second in that division. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, Miami looked pretty good for the most part yesterday. So now we'll get into some some teams. We said overreaction. So we want to want to look at the panic level for some of these teams. Yeah. Are we overreacting or do we think it, it's legit? The Cowboys, we cut, won't spend too much time on them. I, pretty high for me. The, the injury with Dak Prescott is just... It, it's disastrous for them. They're already without Tyron Smith and now Dak. No Amari yeah. Cooper, no Cedric Wilson. Like they've got 
Oh, they've got C.D. Lamb and, and Dalton Schultz. I think Noah Brown had a, a decent had four catches or something yesterday, but very high for the Cowboys. Absolutely, the Sean signal is up in the uh, <laughs> up in the sky over Gotham right now. Absolute panic is panic is merited for the Cowboys. A hundred percent. And the, but, the next team, I'll let you go first on this. The Green Bay Packers. Um, I'll, I'll let you start this one off. The reason the panic level for the Packers should be medium to high is because 11 wins is probably a failed season. 10 wins is certainly a failed season. This is not a team that can talk about, oh, we were in the wild card mix and built things for the future, et cetera. This is a team that's really in the short window. And in a 10 or 11 or even a 12-win season, a second place in the division season, a fourth in the playoff seedings, if all those things come to fruition, you're going to have another year of Rodgers complaining to high heaven and uh, the team trying to like move heaven and earth salary cap wise to improve things. So most teams, this would be okay. The tackles come back next week. You know, Jenkins, Bakhtari come back. They'll develop these receivers, et cetera. It'll be fine. This is a team that just lost to a division foe, lost to a conference foe, lost tiebreakers along the way. It's all a step behind the Buccaneers. That's a reason to really, really worry. Yeah, I agree. Again, as a, a Packers fan, it's, like you said, medium level. You know, it's game one. They got crushed last year in game one against New Orleans, and we saw what happened. Devontae Adams was there then, obviously. But, yeah. you know, over half of Rodgers' attempts went to running backs and tight ends. Not yep. super surprising, but at the same time, you know, we know he throws to guys that he trusts. And after the Christian Watson drop, that was huge. Like, he, I don't think he got a target until – it might have been Jordan Love or it was late in the game that he got targeted again. And, I mean – it's it's understandable. Um, Roger said in his press conference, you know, at, at the end of the day, these guys are all professional. Whether you're a rookie or not, you're a professional athlete. You've got to make plays that are there. He he said, you know, I made mistakes as well. Um, a lecture about professionalism from Aaron Rodgers, my God! Right. Oh my God! Go on. We sorry. know he punishes guys for those things. We also know it's not good, especially for rookies, when guys lose confidence in themselves. Like. Yeah. It's more a lot of times it's with quarterbacks we talk about this, but when you're a receiver that makes a drop like that, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, is visibly pissed off on TV, and you know the yeah. camera's going right to him. Right. Like he's got, he makes it worse sometimes. I think he's got to be a little bit more patient. I, I think he probably has been, um, still doesn't have a high level of patience, but that makes me a little nervous. Um, but again, you said the tackles coming back. It was week one. They struggled last year. It'll be the next week. Will be big. Um, Got the Bears next week, and then the Bucks after that. So Bears may not be as big a test. You know, they won yesterday, but again, that monsoon slop fest you set up there against Trey Lance, who, with the weather, still didn't look great. But yeah, if if they don't look a lot better next week, then we're probably gonna be pushing that up. Telling Aaron Rodgers to be more patient is like telling a scorpion to be less stingy and poisonous so that's not a bad idea what was it like watching that as a fan like I'm, I'm watching it and of course I'm sort of watching and writing at the same time and I'm sort of cracking up at this offense after that Watson play where it's like you couldn't come up with a more misdirection screen pass to a running back like they had to run the entire gamut of what was in the playbook yes that's what was so frustrating to me and I was so watching with friends it was was telling them it was everyone knows you're throwing to the running back you're throwing to either Jones Dylan or whichever tight end is on the field there couple of them on the field, but it's like, it seemed like every pass was going within two or three yards from the line of scrimmage. It was all those close, close passes. Like that's not the green Bay offense. And it was a struggle. And Aaron Jones and Dylan were, were breaking some of those yeah. and looked pretty good, but it, you know, eventually you've got to, got to get it downfield. He, I guess he just didn't, didn't trust the guys at that point. And I'm, Sammy Watkins was one I was kind of surprised. Didn't get a little bit more work as well. Um, and we know week one, Sammy Watkins is a little bit overblown because last year he had four catches for 96 yards. Wasn't as big of a week, but I would think him being a veteran coming in uh, maybe would get a little bit more work as well. But it was frustrating. I mean, I I, I picked Minnesota to win that game. I did not think Green Bay was going to win just with the receivers, and I think Minnesota's going right. to be very good this year. But was still very frustrating to see it in 23-7. to Right, right. And, and there was a lot of, hey, you know what, don't like the Green Bay, you guys were inoculating yourselves. The Packers fans were inoculating themselves. I see them on Twitter. I see you guys. And it's like, hey, you know, with both tackles out and the receivers, it's not going to look perfect. And don't overreact and sort of building in the, the, the cushion for the loss there. But this wasn't just a loss. It was a 23-7 loss where everything was foobar for most of the game. So yeah, it, it was never close. And right. deciding for some reason – not to cover Justin Jefferson at all right. was, was 
was pretty surprising to me. It seemed like he was wide open on every play, but yeah, Justin Jefferson. So it's tough to stop him, but he just completely went off, went off in that situation. Who's next? So we'll move on from Green Bay. I don't want to talk about that anymore. So <laughs> we'll go. We talk about New England. How are you panicked, or what's your panic level for New England after Week One? I guess if I had any expectations for the New England Patriots, I would be panicking again for the reasons that we, we talked about. And the, the offense was about as bad as you could expect. And the defense wasn't heart stoppingly, devastatingly like, oh, we got this covered for you. Yeah. Um, now, I don't have a lot of expectations for the Patriots. And basically, and what I've been seeing from the Patriots press, it seems like uh, everyone's sort of like like realizes no this this probably didn't work out uh, you yeah. know the, the the old days when like the people with like the Brady avatars on Twitter were coming after you like those days are gone now and it's a little more realistic but reason to worry that that this isn't something that's going to work out and be anything more than hey eight and nine because we played tough and ran the ball yeah. and that's what it looks like yeah you had you said exactly what I had here <laughs> in my notes I was say I'm not too panicked. But I didn't really expect him to be very good this year anyway. Right. Sorry, Aaron. I know you're you're watching, but I know you're you're realistic as well. But I, I mentioned I did pull it up and we've got New England and Miami. The New England's defense is projected still in the bottom ten. Um it, Miami, I think, is gonna be end up being better. Um so it doesn't really surprise me that they lost. I did think it would be a little bit closer. Um, I thought it would be come down to like a field goal where New England covers, Miami wins. Um yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I was yeah, not panic really at all, just given the expectations there. So I agree with you 100%. I, I want to interrupt with a fantasy question from Abraham Avicia, who gives us a real Sophie's choice at running back. I'm guessing that's Bryce Hall, uh, Pollard from the um, Tony Pollard, or Jamar Williams. Ooh. Ooh. I don't have the, I'm going to tell you right now, it's early in the week. I don't even have like next week's matchups in front of me. Yeah. I don't know who the Jets play. I do know. Reese Hall got eight targets yesterday, and I think I, I didn't see a ton of that game, but I think I'd read somewhere that um, Michael Carter had a pretty big drop that after that they got Brees Hall a little bit more involved. That's when he got a lot more targets. Tony Pollard, I don't even know. I know Zeke. No one really for the Cowboys did well. I, honestly, at this point, mm -hmm. I know Cooper Rush got that win over the Vikings last year, but I don't really know if I would trust anyone. And with Pollard being you know, the number two running back, They've been wanting to use him more as a receiver, you know, split out. But I don't know if I would trust anyone for the Cowboys right now other than maybe CeeDee Lamb because you know he's going to get about 1,000 targets a game. Yep. <laughs> and Jamal Williams, I think, has the healthiest role in that offense. Like, they used him quite a bit last year. DeAndre Swift had a big game, but Jamal Williams scored. They're going to use him. Uh, he's going to get some some targets. So I would lean Jamal. But, again, I haven't seen the matchups either. I don't have them off the top of my head. Right. I would lean to going to underdog fantasy and uh... – and, and going and, and being able to redraft for week two. Um, I mean, these aren't bad ball players, like, and I think Hall has potential. But you're right. I think a lot of what we saw from Hall was it's 24-7. Joe Flacco isn't even going to try to go downfield. Yep. He, he's he's worried about Carter's hands. He dumps off, dumps off, dumps off. This this doesn't look like a – and Williams had the two touchdowns yesterday, but it was mostly short yardage work. I, I'm not sure where I'd go with it. Yeah, I would, I would lean Williams, but again okay. – Look for uh, next week or later this week too. We'll have our uh, have our fantasy rankings up for week two as well. So check back with us there, and we'll have that. And then we've got our Thursday fantasy and betting show with yes. me and Tom Strack, and we'll cover that as well. We go through every single game, so we'll we'll have a little bit more clarity there for you uh, here throughout the week. Awesome. So yes, we got two more teams. We're cut coming close to time, so two more teams quickly on the panic meter. We mentioned not having expect the expectations really for the Patriots. The Bengals are kind of on the opposite. I know they they finished a lot stronger than what they actually than as good as they actually were last year. I was to make it to the Super Bowl, but are you panicked with them again? We expected some regression, but how panicked are you after yesterday's game that Joe Burrow just looked awful in the beginning, at least beginning? But he settled down. It's kind of a mon minor panic. I'm going to turn to you since you were watching more of that one live. What what went wrong with the offensive line in that game? I'd say they revamped the offensive line, but they struggled. I mean, Burrow still got sacked a handful of times. T.J. Watt just was all over the place. He's now hurt. Looks like he's going to be out for a couple months. But I mean, I, it, the first his first interception, the pick six, was just not a good throw. Um, I think yeah. it was Fitzpatrick made a pretty good play coming from behind, but just wasn't a good throw. They just 
I don't know. Like I expected a lot more out of the, out of them. Like you said, the, the offensive line, they brought in a bunch of new guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not super panicked on them either. I don't think um, Pittsburgh is really, especially with TJ Watt out and just Trubisky or Pickett. I don't expect them to be much of competition. Yeah. I think Baltimore, I know we have Baltimore ranked very highly is going to be the, the one, their competition and is probably, uh, or is the favorite to win that division. But I'm not too panicked after that game. It seemed like there was a lot of, we mentioned with the field goals and just kind of a lot of crazy stuff going on there. But yeah. week one at Burrow, you know, he's, we know he's a lot better than what he played yesterday. Right. And that's it. And the Steelers do that to you. The Steelers come yeah. out there, disrupt you with their pass rush, put you in a slop game and say, ha ha, you're in a slop game with us now. You know, it's like, it's, it's like wrestling the pig. They love it. They love being filthy. So the Bengals got more into it. I'm not, yeah. I'm not super panicked that this is going to be what we're going to see throughout yeah. the year. And Pittsburgh did that week one to Buffalo last year. We saw Buffalo. Yeah. You know, they were very inconsistent. They were at the highest variance last year. But mm-hmm. same thing happens week one. Mike Tomlin, one of the better coaches, one of the best coaches in the league, going to have his team prepared. And that defense was just – was good. They're still a good defense. I think they were projected uh, number one um, in the football outsider DVOA projections as the mm-hmm. number one defense this year. So not super surprising. Expect a lot, a lot better from Cincinnati moving forward. We'll move on to some of the the teams that had some good games, maybe, or I guess a couple of these, okay, got wins, but we're going to yep. call it our Kool-Aid level. Are you drinking the Kool-Aid, starting with Philadelphia? No, and believe it or not, Philadelphia fans that I was talking to were not drinking the Kool-Aid. They were worried about how the Lions jumped all over the Eagles at the beginning of the game and worried about how the Eagles let the uh, Lions linger late in the game. So, uh Again, for the Eagles, the expectations have changed a little bit. Now they look like the favorites. I believe they're like minus 150 now to win the division wow. with the Cowboys out, 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 of, uh, out of there. So in terms of saying, oh, they can win the NFC East, that's fine. I don't think that's Kool-Aid at this point. It's rising up to meet them. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of things need to see, particularly on defense, of this team coming together and, and, and playing more coherently against a better opponent. Yeah. And Detroit, they're much better this year. They're – they were tough last year. Week one, they yep. did this where they were getting just crushed by the 49ers and came back, I think, to cover and lose by like seven on a two-point conversion. But I, I, I'm kind of – I'm high on Philly this year. I know Aaron picked them as his Super Bowl uh, favorites to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. The slow start was concerning. The end is concerning. But, you know, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown that were dogs good. yesterday. <laughs> they were just – they were awesome. So, I, I expect a little bit better. I'm I'm buying – I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on them. Um at least for now, seeing after week one, I, th- I think they'll they'll be a lot. That defense will be a lot better too. Fantasy wise, they were the I picked them based on their week one matchup. They got to pick six and still finish with only like five points. Typically, you're in the double digits. They just gave up way too many points late. And right. I know um, that it is you know it doesn't count a ton in the DVOA calculations, but garbage time defense is is somewhat predictive, um, but not as much. And it wasn't garbage time. It was like eight minutes left in the third quarter yeah. and they're letting giving up 25, 30 yard plays down the field. I feel like they called off the blitz and against Jared Goff. Don't call off the blitz, blitz him, blitz him until he, yeah. he wets his pants. Just go, go nuts on him. But they did that. And it's like, it wasn't eight minutes left in the fourth quarter up by two and a half scores or whatever. It was eight minutes left in the third quarter. And that's the issue where it looks like from a coaching standpoint, like, Oh, we got this one in the bag. Like that's not how you coach in the NFL. Yeah. So, Philly looks like we're mixed on that. New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans, I I'm drinking the Kool Aid on them a little bit. I, I they got off to a slow start for sure, down 26 to 10 with like 11 minutes left. They came back though. It was Atlanta, so it's kind of like how how good are you really coming back against Atlanta? Michael Thomas though, it was good. He it's good to see him healthy. He got the two big touchdowns late. Jarvis Landry had a huge game in his mm-hmm. first game down there. They still won without a big game from Kamara. He had I don't think he had even had I think he was under like 75 yards total or something didn't have a ton of like four catches for 20 something yards the defense will be a lot better there are number two projected defense still um I think they're gonna be good I think they'll push Tampa for for that division but you know I they struggled for a while they turned it on so I'm I think they'll be okay they did turn it on at the end, but they were brutally bad for three quarters against an ACC opponent at this point with the Atlanta Falcons. And so I'm reserving judgment. They have Tampa Bay next week. I am not touching the New Orleans Saints Kool-Aid until I see some sense that they've got more on the plate than, oh, the Falcons just ran out of good. 
like yeah. like like toddlers or the or preschoolers. They ran out of good at two o'clock and they went. They started going berserk and cre- screaming and crying. That's what the Falcons do. Saints took advantage of it. Yeah, New Orleans still still using Taysom Hill, so that'll be interesting too it to worked. see what happens there. It worked. I was like, oh yeah. no, and it's like, oh no, it still works. Whatever, go. go. Yeah, they're committed to it. But <laughs> uh, last one we'll we'll talk about here: Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I said they're my pick to overachieve their FO projection this year. I think they're going to win the North. They're to me, I think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender with or an NFC Championship contender with O'Connell there now. Jefferson just unstoppable. I'm I'm buying it there. They're they're my one of my biggest picks this year. Um, they won handily without a big game from Dalvin. Dalvin had been really good against Green Bay. He got 20 carries, still had um, uh, almost. Or I think he went over 100 yards between his receptions, or he was close yeah. to it. Madison, they actually had a lot more involved than I thought. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm buying it on Minnesota as much as I hate to say it. You're in, 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 and I'll say right now, they're still plus 150 to win the NFC North. Right mm-hmm. now, the Packers are still plus 110. I can see the line not going cuckoo over a, yeah. a Packers loss, but you're still some value there if you really love the Vikings. And I was ready, ready, ready to buy in with Jefferson playing the way he did and the way Zadarius was playing earlier in the game, and then they got to that point where they just started playing not to lose. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, it's like, oh, we got this under control. That's Aaron Rodgers. You don't, you don't yeah. know if you've got it under control because he, yeah. he, he could find Watkins. He could find Juwan Winfrey and say, you're my guy now, and then throw it down there. And there was a lot of that vintage. Here comes Kirk Cousin on third and six, four-yard completion. Kirk Cousin on third and four, two-yard completion. Like, like you, can't, you can't shrink it enough yeah. late in this game. You're right. Cook was playing well, I think, early in the game, in the middle of the game, and then like when it's time to to, to get that, the, the running game doesn't work like that. So I'm moderately on board with them because of all the things you said, but like I think if it's Kool Aid up to this is this is the Vikings year, I don't think I'm capable of ingesting that kind of yeah. Kool Aid. Not I'm, yet. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I would spit it out and I would have a heart attack if I tried to drink Vikings Kool Aid. <laughs> it's not happening. Time, time will tell. Again, we won. <laughs> So we make our, our overreactions, but um, well, we've got a little bit of time left, so we'll go in. We can't forget Monday Night Football. Yes. B- big game, not in the fact that we think it's going to be a good game, but Russell Wilson, his first game in D- with Denver, returning to Seattle. Um, Denver comes in as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, how, are, how are you – what are you thinking about this game? Um, how do you think it's going to play out? What are your picks for tonight? Well, I'm stunned that the line has dropped to six and a half. There must be some action coming in on the Seahawks. I don't know who those people are. I don't know why they're doing it. I would advise them to stop doing it uh, because I see this as a, while it's going to be an emotional game and there might be some high energy, I see this as a role mm-hmm. for the Denver Broncos. And again, one problem we have is that we have not seen the Broncos at all the preseason, haven't seen the Russ experience, didn't see any of their starters. So I'm working with a team off of paper and projections and things. But the other problem is we saw the Seahawks with Gina. We saw pretty yeah. much the starting off. It is what you think it is. It's going to be rough. There's going to be a lot of three and outs. And it's just going to be more and more opportunities for a pretty loaded Broncos offense. And I see the Broncos winning, covering, me being in bed at halftime. Yeah, I, this is what I picked last week was my favorite pick of the week, Denver minus six and a half. Yeah. I, Seattle is my underachiever pick when we did our staff peaks. I was one of a, a few people that picked them as my number one draft pick next year. I just don't. They've got. They've still got some good players. The defense, you know, it were projected not to be terrible, right. but just with Geno Smith, you said we saw it last year. We wish we hadn't seen it because it was <laughs> not good. I think Russ comes out and smashes. Um, yeah. Also, I'm all in on Cortland Sutton this year. His props, the prop bets for him that I like all of them over four and a half receptions, over Ooh. 61 and a half receiving yards. Over 23 and a half as his longest reception. Oh. And I would throw in an anytime touchdown as well. I just think we know he's that deep threat or has been that deep threat, but I also think he's going to be Wilson's just go-to guy when he needs a guy. In the red zone, he's he's a big body. He can can be a big red zone target. Third down, I just think he's going to be the guy. I'm very high on him, and I would – would go with pretty much any, maybe all of those props for Cortland Sutton tonight. I am playing those props. I'm playing the uh, yardage prop. Right now, as we speak, you can see me clicking around, and I think I'll get the longest reception to flat prop. So let me let me do a little business here, uh, yeah. uh, and you can you can do the sign. <laughs> exactly, yeah, because and you can do again underdog fantasy. They got that yeah. pick them. You can do that for tonight. Um, they'll have some props. They do some over unders on there, where uh, or more or less, where you say is he going to have more than this many yards, um, more than this many touchdowns. They also do where you can go guys against each other. 
you can say, um, I think one of them from last Thursday, I don't have it up with me for tonight's game, but last Thursday was, well, Dawson Knox had more receptions um, and touchdowns than whoever it was on the other team having like carries. Uh, I think it was split carries, but things like that. And using promo code outsiders, you can get a deposit match up to a hundred dollars to get at underdogfantasy.com. get a deposit match up to $100 uh, with that promo code outsiders. Yep. And they're played. They're played done and done that yep. easy. That easy. There. Reception one and the, uh, and the longest reception one for Sutton. Yep. Late. I, I like it. So yes. hopefully we'll see. Like you said, hopefully it'll be a, a, a game where we're in bed at halftime. They don't have to stay up too late. And you know, East Coast uh, is not the best coast for sports. At least I've come to see, especially in primetime. But Mike, thanks for joining me. It was a good week one. Um, had a great show. Hope all of you out there enjoyed us. And uh, we'll be back next week. I know, Mike, you're on Wednesdays, I believe, with Aaron. I'm on Thursdays, too. So Thursday, Thursday Aaron and I do – our picks and previews and you do the gambling and fantasy show with Tom. Yep. And you've got your walkthrough articles uh, as well throughout the week, correct? All week. Just keep going up. I'll throw something else on there. I don't even know what I'm writing anymore, but it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You mentioned being a bit at halftime. I don't think you, you sleep, you don't eat. You're just walk through and shows with Aaron all the time. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. Awesome. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Enjoy the Monday Night Football game and uh, check back with us throughout the week. And then Mike and I will be back next Monday.